6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America. It is 2 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and here in Malaysia, it's 1943. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Welcome in. Welcome, everybody. Happy Saturday. Hope you are having a great weekend. Although, if you're in the U.S., your weekend has just started. Ours here is halfway through. Weather was amazing today. Blue sky, fair weather clouds. My area didn't get any rain, so it was not bad at all, actually. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and we are live tonight on Rumble.com. Finally, I think we have fixed all of the uh, all the screw-ups, and we are live. I'm looking at it right now, so yeah, we're there. And on Facebook and YouTube, of course, please do subscribe over on our uh, our YouTube channel. We need to get our our subscriptions up there as best we can. All right, uh, we got a lot coming up in the show tonight, and we will continue at the end of the show, as we always do. If you're new to our broadcast here. Uh, reading a classic book. We've been doing Tom Sawyer. We're going to continue with that. We're on chapter eight of uh, Tom Sawyer, the original from Mark Twain. But right now, we always start the show with this little girl. Miko Update. Me, 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 Miko Update. She's so cute. Uh, she's great. She's, uh, heavy as hell. She's eating well. She got plenty of exercise. We're going to try. There's a Shiba Inu owners group in Malaysia, local to mostly Klang Valley. And uh, we're going to try and go down to a park in Cyberjaya tomorrow morning. But it's like 8, 8.30 on a Sunday morning. Who the hell gets out of bed at that hour on a Sunday morning? Yeah, I know. We do for the dog's sake. <laughs> It's not for us, it's for the dog. All right, so here she was this morning. Just got to share a couple of quick shots. She, like me, refused to get out of bed this morning. And uh, <laughs> so I snapped a couple of pictures when she was very comfort comfortable, all comfy in our, our quilted bed cover there. Yeah, she's doing great. So... Thank you for asking. By the way, if there's anything you want to know about her or Miko or my life or this show, you have show suggestions, you'd like to be on as a guest, you want to help promote something that you got to talk about, get in touch. You can always email me. It's nopants at jsheldon.com. That's our email. I answer all your emails, no matter what strange requests we get, we answer them all. Nopants, N-O-P-A-N-T-S, nopants at jsheldon.com. You can always uh, pop off an email and say hello. So we've got a lot to talk about tonight, and uh, our main topic on our thumbnail had to do with your childhood dreams. Before we do that, though, we're going to talk about briefly this. And it happened today in Malaysia. Uh, because I am, although it's been almost 20 years, a guest still in this country, uh, I am not allowed to make comments about political things. Sometimes I do a little bit, but for the most part, I like living here and I want to keep on living here. So 
I try and avoid making any outlandishly, blatantly political things. But this was all over the news today. If you're in Malaysia or if you are from Malaysia listening into someplace else on the planet, this is a, uh, a news report from the MalayMail.com. Uh, protest. We had a protest. Uh, resort to a 15-minute sit-down and a mock arrest of Azambaki after failing to enter the city center. They had planned to have a protest uh, downtown in Kuala Lumpur, KL. Uh, however, the police got some sort of court order that you couldn't gather at Datan Merdeka or Soho, wherever else they were going to get together. So basically, the group said, screw it, we'll go to Bangsar. And they did. And uh, protesters of the hashtag Tangkap Azambaki uh, rally were forced to turn back by authorities after failing to enter the city center. The protest was calling for the Malaysia Anti-Corruption Commission, the MACC uh, chief commissioner, Tansri Azambaki to step down following his stock trading scandal. If you want to know more about it, just do a, do a web search. You can read all the details. The link to this in, is in our show notes tonight, which is our description down below. Um, according to the protest organizers, it was impossible to move forward with their plan of holding a demonstration in city center as all access was blocked by the police prior to the gathering take place. If the roads were not blocked to this extent, we would have moved further. So they did this sort of mock arrest thing. They uh, initially managed to negotiate for a short walk from the Bangsar LRT, that's a light rail transit, uh, up to the intersection of Brickfields. Um, one of the organizers said they'd tried to negotiate a further distance, but police didn't allow them to. So because they wanted to have a mostly peaceful assembly, as CNN likes to call them. No, I'm sure it would have been, and it was quite peaceful. Uh, they basically shut off all the roads to downtown KL, which is not the capital city, but the big city here in, uh, in Malaysia, and uh, didn't let people gather. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to make a comment because it's not my place. I'm a guest in your country. Please read the article. Please check out the hashtag, and you will find out more about what I'm talking about. And I'm just going to leave it right there. But nice job, CT. <laughs> You'll know what I mean. Oh, my. All right. So, did you have childhood dreams? We all have childhood dreams. What do you want to be when you grow up? That kind of thing. I have to tell you, before I, this is an article coming up. It's in our show notes in the description down below. Uh, it's an article from chilisauce.my, C-I-L-I-S-O-S dot my, M-Y. Uh, links in the show notes. I have to tell you that I consider myself among the very, very lucky few who actually got the chance to live out his childhood dreams. Most people don't. Most people have childhood dreams. They don't pursue them for one reason or another. Either you give up, you forget, you change your mind. 
Here in Asia, sadly, a lot of parents control their kids even into their 20s and 30s. I know that will come as a surprise to my U.S. audience, maybe U.K. audience, Australia, some of the more Western uh, folks. But Asian culture is such that there are 30-something-year-olds living at home, listening to mom and dad instead of being an adult and a big boy and a big girl and getting on with their lives and making their own decisions about their lives. Um, and so, sadly, a lot of dreams, childhood dreams, what you want to be when you grow up, get nipped in the bud because mom and dad said, no, you can't do that. You're going to go be a lawyer. You're going to go be a doctor. Um, I, from the earliest memory I have, had wanted to be a radio DJ or a cop. And I've told this story before, but I'll tell you the short version. Uh, when it came time for me to pick careers, there was height and weight requirements to be a police officer. And I was short and fat. <laughs> I was. So I could lose weight, but I couldn't get any taller. I was what I was, about maybe five, six, five, six and a half at best. Uh, so I didn't qualify to be a cop. So I went into radio. I got very lucky. I was hired part-time at WSNG in Torrington, Connecticut, a weekend slot, 10 to 2. And I did one show on a Saturday. And that Monday morning, the regular full-time midday host, 10 to 2, came in to the program director's office, threw his keys on the desk and said, I quit. I'm moving to Florida. See ya. So my phone rang, and Tuesday morning, I was the full-time midday guy. After doing one show, one time, two days later, I get a full-time job in radio. I, I make no bones about it. I was blessed. I turned that into an over-20-year career, went into television for a while, filmmaking for a while. I'm still involved in filmmaking and nowadays content production and directing and creating. But I, I did get a chance to pursue my other dream, which was to become a cop. I spent five years in Monroe County, Florida, working for the Monroe County Sheriff's Department and uh, worked my way up to be an internal affairs detective, IAD, uh, under Sheriff Rick Roth. It was a great job. It was amazing. I would do it again in a minute. Uh, it was fun. I did that for five years. In fact, that's the job I had before I moved to Malaysia. And uh, so, yes, I had the chance. I spent much more time talking about me than I wanted to, but I hope you'll find it entertaining. I had the chance to do both of my childhood dreams, be a radio DJ and be a law enforcement officer which was amazing. But this survey was done by the folks at Chili Sauce, and the link is in our show notes. It has to do with Malaysians. 56% of Malaysians did not achieve their childhood dreams. Six sad finds from our career survey. Check that out. Well, a while back, we asked you guys to reminisce about your childhoods by telling us your chita chitas when you're growing up, your dreams, uh, whether you got to achieve 
your career, your dream careers at the end. They ran a CELAP Cheetah Cheetah survey with their longtime friends from Taylor's University and got some amazing stats regarding how many of us have jobs that are totally different from our degrees, how long we stay at a job, and which industries have the happiest employers, and more. They had over a 1,000 respondents. They, the survey was done in September of last year, so 2021. Uh, 61% male, 37% female, and people who couldn't figure out what they were were 1%. Uh, the ages, majority, 30 to 39. So by that time, you should have settled into a career. Uh, but they have respondents from all groups, from 17 years old up to above 60. Uh, languages was English, Chinese dialects, Malay, Indian dialects, and others. Um, locations, Selangor, KL, Penang, Johor, Sarawak. Uh, but they got every state except Perlis. And, uh, <laughs> okay, so Malaysia's top cheetah cheetah choices were doctor, engineer, and firefighter. I guess that's not too surprising. Everybody wants to be a fireman when they grow up, right? You'd think doctor, lawyer, engineer, or disappointment. That's not completely wrong. 33, 34% wanted to be doctors. 24% had dreams of being police officers, firefighters, and soldiers. That's very high. And 23% wanted to be engineers. It's kind of a weird choice. But a choice nevertheless. Uh, becoming a lawyer is much further down the list, by the way. It's number six. Only 16.2% Mark that as their childhood ambition. Uh, most kids busy planning out their careers. 4% had a different ambition in mind. Getting married. That was your ambition? Your childhood dream? It was highest among their Chinese respondents. Uh, most Malaysians did not achieve their childhood dreams. Uh, most of us probably thought we were going to achieve those dreams at some point in our lives because we were all young and hopeful. However, check this out. Sadly, 11.5%, that's all, of people that actually achieved their ambitions at the end of the day. 20.3% doing something related to their dreams. And the majority, 55 plus percent, not being anywhere close to achieving their childhood dreams. Weird, huh? More than half Malaysians basically burned their uni and college degrees. They're doing something completely different from what their education was in. And uh, <laughs> the average Malaysian switches jobs every two and a half years? Wow. I'm telling you, you've got to check this link out in our show notes tonight because it's fascinating. And uh, it's from chilisauce.my. Go over there, check out the link, and read this article because it's really cool and it's eye-opening. It really is. Uh, some of these stats are incredible. But um, the one comment I will make is that, as I said in the beginning, 
In Asian culture, it is not unusual for parents to have an insane amount of control over their kids and their kids' careers. And I have to say that among the very few things that I kind of disagree with, it's their culture, you do you, I'll do me. But moms and dads, please let your kids have dreams. Let your kids have dreams. Zubaida, hey, thanks for the like. Appreciate it. Nice to see you in the, uh, in the stream, Zoo. Let your kids have dreams. Let them pursue their dreams. It can be done. And you know what? Maybe they're not a doctor. Maybe they're not a lawyer. Maybe they're not a firefighter. Maybe it's not something you would have picked for them to do. But it's what they want to do. It's their passion. And if you get the chance, like I, I told you, I was so incredibly lucky to have done, to pursue what you are passionate about. It will never be a job to you, ever. It will be your passion. And with luck, you'll make some money. Pursue your passion. And mom and dad, stop getting in the way. Zoo says, I'm glad to choose arts after pure science. Good for you. Good for you. Yes, indeed. All right. Let your kids have their dreams, moms and dads, please. And if you are one of those kids, go for it. Go for whatever you're passionate about. Uh, we spoke about this wonderful lady a couple of streams ago, and there's been an update, and I wanted to share it with you. It is in our show notes tonight. This is a public post. Uh, Chelsea Ung posted this. Uh, thank you, Chelsea. And uh, you will recognize her. She is the Paralympic athlete from Malaysia who brought so many golds, so many silvers for us in the Paralympic Games. And she was sadly seen on the streets of KL selling tissue box covers. Um, anyway, you can now help to support. I did get a couple of messages from people saying, is there something we can do? What can we do? Well, indeed, there is. Uh, you can now show your support to fellow Penangite and ex-Paralympic athlete, Ko Li Peng. She has a brand new Shopee account, and there's a link in this article to it. I put the link to this that you're seeing on the screen in our show notes tonight, so I encourage you to go check that out. It's a public post. But also in this article is a link to uh, Ko Li Peng's Shopee channel. So if you want to find a way to help support her, by all means, check out her Shopee channel and buy something. Uh, I'm sure you heard the news headlines the last couple of weeks. Uh, she was seen um, uh, supporting herself on the streets in the hot sun, selling tissue packets and tissue covers. And um, when asked whether she expected any further financial assistance from the government, she firmly said no. Uh, I have experienced many challenges in my life, and I've learned that when officials make promises, there's no follow-through, or the solutions they provide are only temporary. So she says, I can still rely on my two hands and a wheelchair to earn a living, and frankly, I'm happy to be selling tissue. I'll also sell some other line, uh, items, and uh, handmade, 
and have learned a lot through the business. So anyway, she's got a Shopee channel. The link is in the article. Right here, you'll see it. And you can go to Shopee and, and buy something, please. We want to do all we can to support this amazing gold and silver medal winning athlete. We, should, we as Malaysians should be so incredibly proud. I said it when we covered this the last time, how the support we give our athletes. I'm not a sports guy. I never have been. I was always into music and theater and arts. I don't do sports. I couldn't care a fig less about sports. But I appreciate them. And I appreciate how much fandom there is for sports. And how much marketing a country can do with a decent sports team. This article, also in our show notes tonight, not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but we have a world champion among our midst. You all know his name. In fact, even you don't even need to be in Malaysia to know the name, the name uh, Lee Chong Wei. And her, his quote here in this article, it pains me to see the state of Malaysian badminton. There is the amazing uh, Lee Chong Wei. If I can get past all the uh, ads here. Extremely saddened by the news of Lee Zi Jia's resignation from the National Badminton Squad. Uh, the uh, number one, Lee Chong Wei, uh, said all England champion Zi Jia had met him on the afternoon of January 11th to seek his advice before handing his over his uh, resignation letter to BAM, which I assume is the Badminton Association of Malaysia. Uh, I told Zija I can't take sides. My only advice to him was to think carefully before making a decision because it involves his future. So, uh, And since then, the Badminton Association has decided to be rather, in my opinion, childish, and ban him from playing badminton because he resigned. Anyway, uh, yeah, please support all athletes at whatever level they're playing. We go on our walk with Mika, uh, Miko at night through our taman here, our garden area, and um, there's a basketball court for residents. And there's a group of kids who are being taught by some older guy, basketball, drilling, uh, dribbling skills, and all kinds of things. It's so cool to see them. It's just a group, small group of seven or eight kids who are probably nine, 10, 11 years old, maybe a bit younger. And they're so into it. And the coach this teacher teaching them the basketball skills, he doesn't put up with any crap. I hear him when I go by, and it's like, now, faster, go, go. And uh, it's great, and it's great to see, and great to see young people getting involved. And uh, like I said, we really do need to do a lot more to support our athletes and not forget that good athletes translate into interest in the country, translate into tourism, recognition for the entire country, whether you support sports or you're into watching sports or not. You do a lot worse. What else we got? 
Uh, oh, <laughs> I might find a new job. This is going to be very quick, but I wanted to share it. The link's in our show notes tonight. Check this out. Companies in China hire Caucasian foreigners and their job to stand around and pretend to be employees because they believe it increases the value of the company if they have Caucasians working there. This is the mindset of these people. Seriously. They hire these people not to do any work, actual work, just to hang around and look like they're employees because they think it makes their company look more valuable. I, I got no words, okay, pal? Whatever. I'm telling you, I, I would hire myself out in a minute. Of course, then again, my current company, I do just kind of sit around and look pretty, and I don't do that very well. No, that's not true. All right, sorry, coffee break time. Hey, you want some Miko merchandise? You see that? See that? That's our little girl, Miko. And this is our show. And this is a mug of coffee. You can pick this up along with mouse pads, hoodies, T-shirts, stickers, uh, ball caps. It's all. There's a link in our show notes. You can go directly there and put your order in and check it out. Miko merchandise. Almost everything features our little girl. In fact, one of the ball caps does not have our show logo on it. It only has Miko on it. She insisted if I was going to use her for my branding, she wanted one one cap that was only hers. And it's there. You find the link in our show notes right at the top. All right. One more quick one, and then I want to get on with uh, Tom Sawyer. Yeah, the show's going to be a little short tonight, but that's all right. It is what it is. Satisfaction. <laughs> no regrets. I found this picture on Woof Woof. Yeah, it's actually a, a page on Facebook. It's called Wolf Wolf, and they share these sort of pictures. Although I got to tell you, if Miko ever does this, I will likely come very close to disowning her. But if there was ever a picture that expresses complete satisfaction and no regrets, it is this one. <laughs> uh, if you're listening on the podcast sorry go check out the video it's about 10 11 minutes into the show uh you you just oh maybe less than that uh it's about 27 minutes into the show um you gotta check this out this is just i, I don't know what is that a bulldog i can't tell he's laying in a mud puddle which he has obviously wallowed in for a good while. He is covered in mud. And he's just sitting there laying down with this smile on his face without a care in the world. And as the description says, absolutely no regrets. <laughs> oh, man. I had to share that because it's just too cute not to. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Uh, we're going to go on to our book. We go, we're up to chapter eight. Wow. 
We are smoking through. This is a very long book, by the way. There's 20 over some chapters in this book, if not more. It is The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. It comes to us from the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. And it's all public domain. All the classics are there. From our very first show, 167 shows ago, over a year ago, we started out because one of the things I wanted to do was to read books and to encourage you to pick up reading again and to encourage your kids to read. Uh, Studies have shown that even if they're not big into reading books themselves, if they listen to books being read to them, It fires off all those synapses and things in their imagination the same way that reading the words on the page would. So either way, you want to read to your kids, bedtime stories, you want to have them read themselves, or you want to hook them up to my show and listen to the classics, you can do that too. We end out our show every day, every time we're live, with one of these classic books. And we have done... The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Velveteen Rabbit. We've done a ton of them. Been a lot of fun. And right now, we're doing Tom Sawyer. Uh, Tom, Tom Sawyer. Blah, 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 blah. Spit it out, Jay. Uh, it was originally written in 1876. Little piece of weird trivia. It was one of the first novels ever fully written on a typewriter by Mr. Mark Twain. And one note... For those snowflakes who might be in our audience, this was written, as I said, in 1876. Some of the words in this book, while perfectly appropriate at the time, today are considered vulgar. However, we are reading what's written and the way it was originally intended to be read. So if an N-word or two here or there upsets you, You might want to find something else to do for the next 20 minutes or so. So, having said that, it is time to move on to the amazing adventures of Tom Sawyer. We are on Chapter 8. Tom dodged hither and thither the lanes until he was well out of the track of returning scholars and then fell into a moody jog. He crossed a small branch two or three times because of a prevailing juvenile superstition that to cross water baffled pursuit. Half an hour later, he was disappearing behind the Douglas Mansion on the summit of Cardiff Hill, and the schoolhouse was hardly distinguishable, way off in the distance in the valley behind him. He entered a dense wood and picked his pathless way to the center of it, sat down on a mossy spot under a spreading oak. There was not even a zephyr stirring. The dead noonday heat had even stilled the songs of the birds. Nature lay in a trance that was broken by no sound but the occasional far-off hammering of a woodpecker. And this seemed to render the pervading silence and sense of loneliness more profound. The boy's soul was steeped in melancholy. His feelings were in happy accord with his surroundings. He sat long with his elbows on his knees and his chin in his hands, meditating. It seemed to him that life was but a trouble at best. 
and he more than half envied Jimmy Hodges. So lately released, it must be very peaceful, he thought, to lie and slumber and dream forever and ever. With the wind whispering through the trees and caressing the grass and the flowers over the grave, nothing to bother or grieve about ever any more. If he'd only had a clean Sunday school record, he could be willing to go and be done with it all. Now, as to this girl, what had he done? Nothing. He'd meant the best in the world and been treated like a dog. My page got ahead of me here. He had meant the best in the world and had been treated like a dog, like a very dog. She would be sorry someday, maybe when it was all too late. Ah, if he could only die temporarily. But the elastic heart of youth cannot be compressed into one constrained shape long at a time. Tom presently began to drift insensibly back into the concerns of his life again. What if he turned his back now and disappeared mysteriously? What if he went away, ever so far away, into unknown countries beyond the seas, and never came back any more? How would she feel then? The idea of being a clown recurred to him now, only to fill him with disgust, for frivolity and jokes and spotted tights were an offense when they intruded themselves upon a spirit that was exalted into the vague, august realm of the romantic. No, he would be a soldier and return after long years, all war-worn and illustrious. No, better still, he'd join the Indians, and hunt buffalo, and go on the warpath, and the mountain rangers, and the trackless great plains of the far west, and away in the future come back a great chief, bristling with feathers, hideous with paint, and prance into Sunday school some drowsy summer morning with a blood-curdling war-whoop and sear the eyeballs of all of his companions with unappeasable envy. But no, there was something grander than even this. He would be a pirate. That was it. Now his future plans lay before him, and glowing with unimaginable splendor, how his name would fill the world and make people shudder, how glorious he would go plowing the dancing seas in his long, low, black-hulled racer, the spirit of the storm, with his grisly flag flying at the fore, and at the zenith of his fame, how he would suddenly appear at the old village and stalk into church brown and weather-beaten in his black velvet doublé and trunks, his great jack-boots, his crimson sash, his belt 
bristling with horse pistols, his grime-crusted cutlass at his side, his slouch hat with waving plumes, his black flag unfurled with the skull and crossbones on it, and here with swelling ecstasy the whisperings, It's Tom Sawyer the pirate, the black avenger of the Spanish main. Yes, it was settled. His career was determined. He would run away from home and enter upon it. He would start the very next morning. Therefore, he must now begin to get ready. He would collect his resources together. He went to a rotten log near at hand and began to dig under one end of it with his barlow knife. He soon struck wood that sounded hollow. He put his hand there and uttered this incantation impressively. What hasn't come here, come. What's here, stay here. Then he scraped away the dirt and exposed a pine shingle. He took it up and disclosed a shapely little treasure house, whose bottom and sides were of shingles. In it lay a marble. Tom's astonishment was boundless. He scratched his head with a perplexed air and said, Well, that beats everything. Then he tossed the marble away pettishly and stood cogitating. The truth was that a superstition of his had failed here, where he and all his comrades had always looked upon as infallible. If you bury a marble with certain necessary incantations and left it alone a fortnight, and then opened the place with the incantation he had just used, you would find all the marbles you had ever lost had been gathered themselves together there, meantime, no matter how widely they were separated. But now, this thing had actually and unquestionably failed. Tom's whole structure of faith was shaken to its very foundations. He had many a time heard of this thing succeeding, but never of it failing before. It didn't occur to him that he had tried it several times before himself, but could never find the hiding places afterwards. He puzzled over the matter some time and finally decided that some witch must have interfered and broken the charm. He thought he would satisfy himself on that point, so he searched around till he found a small sandy spot with a little funnel-shaped depression in it. He laid himself down, put his mouth close to the depression, and called, Doodlebug, Doodlebug, tell me what I want to know. Doodlebug, Doodlebug, tell me what I want to know. The sand began to work, and presently a small black bug appeared for a second, and then darted again in a fright. He doesn't tell. So it was a witch that done it. I just knowed it. He well knew the futility of trying to contend against witches. So he gave up, discouraged, 
but it occurred to him that he might as well have the marble he'd just thrown away, and therefore he went and made a patient search for it. But he couldn't find it. And now he went back to his treasure house and carefully placed himself just as he had been standing when he tossed the marble away. Then he took another marble from his pocket and tossed it in the same way, saying, Brother, go find your brother. He watched where it stopped. He went there and looked, but it must have fallen short or gone too far. He tried twice more. The last repetition was successful. The two marbles lay within a foot of each other. And here, the blast of a toy tin trumpet came faintly down the green aisles of the forest. Tom flung off his jacket and trousers, turned a suspender into a belt, raked away some brush behind the rotten log, disclosing a rude bow and arrow, a lath sword, and a tin trumpet, and in a moment had seized these things and bounded away bare-legged with fluttering shirt. He presently halted under the great elm, blew an answering blast, and then began to tiptoe and look warily out. This way and that, he said cautiously to an imaginary company, Hold, my merry men, keep hid till I blow. Now appeared Joe Harper, the airily clad and elaborately armored as Tom. Tom called, Hold! Who comes here into Sherwood Forest without my pass? Guy of Guysborn wants no man's pass. Who art thou that that? Dare to hold such language, said Tom, prompting, for they talked by the book from memory. Who art thou that dares to hold such language? I, indeed, I am Robin Hood, as thy catiff carcass soon shall know. Then art thou indeed that famous outlaw? Right gladly I will dispute with thee the passes of the merry wood. Have at thee! They took their lath swords, dumped upon other traps on the ground, struck a fencing attitude, foot to foot, and began a grave, careful combat. Two up and two down. Presently Tom said, Now, if you've got the hang, go it lively. So they went it lively panting and perspiring with the work. By and by, Tom shouted, Fall! Fall! Why don't you fall? I shan't. Why don't you fall yourself? You're getting the worst of it. Why, that ain't anything. I can't fall. I ain't the way it's in the book. The book says, Then, with one backhanded stroke, he slew poor Guy of Guysborn. You're to turn around and let me hit you in the back. There was no getting around the authorities, so Joe turned, received the whack, and fell. Now, said Joe, getting up, you gotta let me kill you. That's fair. Why, I can't do that. It ain't in the book. Well, it's blame mean, that's all. Well, 
Say, Joe, you can be Friar Tuck on March the Miller's Son and lamb me with a quarter staff. Or I'll be the Sheriff of Nottingham and you be Robin Hood a little while and kill me. Well, that was satisfactory. And so these adventures were carried out. And then Tom became Robin Hood again and was allowed the treacherous nun to bleed his strength away through his neglected wound. And at last, Joe, representing a whole tribe of weeping outlaws, dragged him sadly forth, gave his bow into his feeble hands, and Tom said, Where this arrow falls, there bury poor Robin Hood under the greenwood tree. And then he shot the arrow and fell back and would have died. But he lit on a nettle and sprang up too gaily for a corpse. The boys dressed themselves, hid their accoutrements, and went off grieving that there were no outlaws any more, wondering what modern civilization could claim to have done to compensate for their loss. They said they would rather be outlaws a year in Sherwood Forest than President of the United States forever. And that's Chapter 8. We will continue on with Chapter 9 of Tom Sawyer coming up in our next live stream on Monday night. Thank you, folks. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe button on uh, YouTube and uh, twitch.tv, rumble.com also, and uh, give us a follow on Facebook. We are live Monday, Wednesdays, and Saturday nights. And uh, to all of our podcast listeners across all the podcast platforms, Spotify, Geo7, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, we're on all of them. Uh, just check us out. Either Jay Sheldon, No Pants, or I'm Not Wearing Pants. You'll see that logo. I'll see you again on Monday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Thank you.